Today, we get the inside scoop from the Spectrum Center with Sam Purley of the Charlotte Hornets and Hornets.com today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. I'm Walker Mail on WFNZ from 12 to 3. You can catch Doug Branson and his work on everyhornetsboxscore.com. And that is Sam Purley. It's been a while, but we welcome back Sam of Hornets.com. And you can also find him on Twitter at Sam underscore Hurley, Sam, how's it been, man? It's good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Well, we're doing well. Uh, we are trying to find some wins, I think, just like anybody as Charlotte Hornets fans, and it's just not happening right now. My first question to you is the Spectrum Center kind of like a trauma unit right now with all of the injuries <laughs> going on? <laughs> uh, well, I have two things. First, I'm hoping maybe it's hopefully one of those things. I think it was two years ago where it felt like all the injuries came in the later half of the season, it's like Gordon, mm-hmm. Malik, yeah. Devontae Graham. So I like to think that the basketball gods are kind of just testing them out right from the start. We're getting it all out, and then you're going to be healthy after the All-Star break. Um, I, I would say it, there was a little stretch there where it's like it's not only guys getting hurt, but it was like the same injuries again. It's Lamelo respraining the same ankle, it's Dennis respraining the same ankle, things like that. So um, it's quieted down, I think, for the time being. I think every game you go where it's not something new is good, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a little bit of a Murphy's law right now. It can go on wrong, will go wrong, and you just have to kind of deal with it and and figure it out as you go. Sam, it's great to see you, buddy. I just want to say yes, that. It's been, well. it's, been a, it's been too long since we've had you on the show. You've got the tree up. You're in the spirit mm-hmm. of the season. Uh, so we, we're, we're happy to have you on. Uh, you know, the Hornets have had a few days to rest up, to get uh, to, to get a little bit healthier. Do you have any uh, injury updates? And, and also, like, what have they been focusing on with this extra time off? Yeah, I think the only one that was provided yesterday at practice was Terry Rozier. I know that's not necessarily an injury, but it uh, sounded like he did everything in practice yesterday. Um, he was a bad illness up in Boston, couldn't play. Um, I think they did a little bit of live stuff yesterday. He said he did. Clifford said he did most of it, and I think today will be a little bit more contact. So, uh, and then obviously the game tomorrow. So I think it's. I think as you get, I think when you have a three day stretch with no games, they don't really give any injury updates. I think today will be the updates you get for the next game. But uh, everything based on yesterday sounds like Terry will, I guess, hopefully be available. And then uh, I think kind of the focus was just defense. I think if you look at that Boston game, I mean, there's such. I mean to kind of take it with a grain of salt because they are just unstoppable right now on offense. Their, their rating is up near, I think, 120, which is off the charts. And they were hitting everything. And I think it just – it was like, a, as you guys saw, just kind of a waterfall. Like, in a lot of it's just on-ball defense, help defense, team defense. I think that was kind of the main stuff. So um, that one, I don't think any – they're beating everybody right now. But I think that was a big focus yesterday in practice, just defense and just – you're going to see teams like this that can really score the ball and how do you adjust before it kind of gets away from you like it did in that Celtics game on Monday. 
Well, Sam, when you look at the Hornets, they played so many games early on and they're finally getting a chance to rest. How much will that help them? I mean, it, it certainly you would have to imagine it had some sort of play in their two game back to back winning streak that they had before they dropped this one to Boston with all of the injuries that they suffered with the five that they had. Do you think that this rest is going to really help them maybe compared to more so compared to other NBA franchises who didn't play as many games in the first, what, 17 that they played of the season? Yeah, I think it, I don't know necessarily about other teams and what but I think the Hornets had something like 17 games in 28 days through a four week stretch leading up to I want to say it was the Philadelphia game was the first time they had two days off before a game in four weeks was last Wednesday's game. So um, I think it helps. I mean, it helps from a rest standpoint, helps from a physical recovery standpoint, which they obviously need helps from a mental recovery standpoint. You can kind of do a little bit more uh, refresh your mind um practice more too i think it's it's kind of finding the balance between obviously the coaches want to practice more when you have time off but you also have to make sure that you guys are getting rest and things like that so i can't ever remember the stretch the middle of the week having three consecutive days off yeah. at home um so it has to i think with how challenging this first stretch has been and then factoring in the injuries as well i you know, obviously having time off is something you really, really need from both a physical and mental reset. And, um, you know, just having the guys, a lot of guys that maybe in the start of the season weren't necessarily pencil in to be in the rotation got mm-hmm. a lot of rotational minutes. I think that's something that's really beneficial that's going to set them up long term to be, you know, if you need Teo Maladon down the line to, to be in the rotation or Bryce McGowan's or Kai Jones or, or maybe these guys just take a big step on their own and they become part of the rotation when everyone's back. So, uh, I think there's a lot of benefits coming out of this. Unfortunately, it's like you don't want it all the good stuff to come because of everyone's hurt and the schedule is so grueling. But uh, I think there's some, definitely some positives to look back on this last month. So you mentioned that they were focusing on the defensive end of the floor, and, and that obviously makes a lot of sense off of that Boston game. But I think it also makes sense because it's something I feel like that they could control a little bit more than the offensive end of the floor where they've lost so many key pieces offensively when you're talking about LaMelo Ball, the the, the all-star, Gordon Hayward, who is is an essential connector piece on the, on the offensive side of the floor. Uh, so... It's it's you know when you look at Lamelo Ball like it's obvious when when he's away how it transforms the offense and the team in general. But what are some sort of non obvious ways you've seen these injuries on injuries affect the way that maybe Steve Clifford wanted to operate this team at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I think that the biggest challenge with the injuries is not only that they have a lot of them, but they're all at the same position, and it's all I think if you go back, I think it was the home opener when Terry sprained his ankle. So they had a stretch there where it was no LaMelo, no Terry, and like a little bit of it, no Gordon. So you basically had the three guys that you run, and Dennis as well, I think was factored in as well, missed some games. But all the guys that you were running your offense through weren't available. And that makes it, so if you think if you're missing a center, you're missing one point guard, you're missing one wing, you can kind of collectively figure it out as you go. I think when you're missing all of the guys, all of your point guards, all the guys you run the offense through, it makes it so much more challenging because that is kind of, it's it's the head of the snake. And I think you saw that in a lot of games early to start the year when they didn't have these guys. It just is only so much you can do. So I think that's been the biggest challenge. I think if you have at least, you know, having at least two of those guys, which unfortunately they don't have right now, 
but having at least two of LaMelo, Terry, and Gordon, I think what gives the offense a really good chance just to kind of get things downhill to get going a little bit. Um, but it's put a lot of guys in positions that are unfamiliar, but I think you've seen some guys step up. I thought Theo Maladon has done very well right now. I think Dennis Smith has done exceptional right now. Um, you're seeing more guys. And Kelly Oubre is another one, too. They kind of flown under the radar and bounced around a little bit from position and, and responsibility. But he's initiating more offense, has a higher usage right now than he's ever had in his career. So it's been kind of a collective effort. I mean, it's obviously, like I said in the last answer, it's not ideal. But, you know, it's part of the NBA. You just got to kind of figure it out as you go. And I think there are whether you see it or not, getting this exposure and getting these reps and having guys do different things is going to make them better in the long term, even if you don't necessarily see it right this second. Yeah. Now, uh, now Walker is going to like tease what's coming up in the next segment, and you kind of segued us perfectly there with the DSJ thing. But before Walker does that, I have to tell everyone, please stick around for the end of this episode, because in the third segment, we're going to debut a new segment called Pearly Risers, where Sam Pearly is going to tell us which Hornets player's stock is rising the most in the month of November. I absolutely can't wait for that segment, so I just had to get get that tease in there because I got to know who Sam thinks is on the rise. All right, that that's the third segment tease, but I'll give you the second segment tease. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets Don't podcast. go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We're going to dive into some more Hornets things with Sam Purley. A lot of people surprised the way that some of these guys have played. Do we think some of it is sustainable? And maybe even specifically, what parts of the risers that you could say, what parts of their game are going to be sustainable going forward? This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, esports. They've got it all on betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can find those on betonline as well they're the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fix you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts more sam Purley coming up next locked on hornets this is locked on hornets to start this off we all know about lebron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare by the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Hornets your first listen today. Make your next listen Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest games in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. So we just talked to you about Dennis Smith Jr. Maybe he makes an appearance in Pearly Risers, but that's your authority, Sam. I'm not going to try to tell you who should be in there and who should not because that's Sam. Don't sounded like that you were. It kind of sounded no, no, like you were trying no. to step in to that's Sam Pearly's territory of saying who is Pearly. I don't want you influencing pearly risers. This is too important for you to mess up. Sam is not affected. Okay. Sam is the type of guy that is going to walk to the beat of his own drum. It's not my drum. Nobody else's drum. This is Sam's. I'm just saying with Dennis Smith Jr. Would it be fair, Sam, to say that Dennis Smith Jr. is the best story of the season? Or would you look somewhere else on the Charlotte Hornets team and say that's actually the best story? I think when you factor in everything that has kind of led Dennis to Charlotte and sort of the ups and downs he's experienced the last few years in the league, dealing with injuries and just kind of difficult situations and getting traded and things like that, I think it is the best 
story for sure. I mean, he wasn't, you know, I think he only got signed a few days before camp. There wasn't a whole lot of interest in him around the league, obviously. And then kind of seeing what he's done and then had to step up and play really important minutes um, with LaMelo out, with Terry out, with Cody Martin out. Um, and unfortunately he's dealing with an injury right now as well, kind of a troublesome ankle injury, um, which hopefully isn't a long-term thing, but you know, just to kind of see what he's been able to do. I mean, that, I mean, it's just awesome. Like just to see a guy that was kind of on the fringes of being out of the league to not only get an opportunity, but to get that opportunity and just blow it out of the water and to be a real, um, and especially someone that's had to deal with the adversity he's had to the last few years. So I think Dennis is, is. It's a lot of good stories right now with this Hornets team, but to see what Dennis Smith has done has been really, really fun and uh, inspiring as well. Yeah, I mean, take us take us a little bit deeper. Like, what what was happening behind the scenes with DSJ? That because obviously this is like surprised. I think almost everyone that has watched this occur. It might it might have even surprised some people on on the team. But what it I don't think this surprised Dennis Smith Jr. What was happening behind the scenes for him before this season got started to make his start happen? Yeah, I think if you it, it kind of if you go back to Dallas, I mean, oh, remember, I mean, he played. You know, NC State played at Fayetteville. I mean, coming out of the draft, I think everyone's thought was this is a guy that is bouncy, is athletic, lots of points, score, kind of this new, um, you know, era of point guards. Like this score first point guard, get to the rim, just explosive athlete. And he did that his first year in Dallas. And then things kind of changed for them. They, they drafted Luka Doncic or acquired Luka Doncic in the draft. And um I think Porzingis being available by the Knicks was really kind of what set Dennis's, um, you know, path away from Dallas. Uh, I think that was maybe January, 2019. So got traded to New York and then, you know, kind of a turbulent situation there. They were had a couple of years where, you know, the coach I think got fired halfway through the year and um, it just became more of a challenge, I think. And then, um, I think they were kind of positioning themselves for the draft a little bit one year. There was that thing where they were trying to get the first pick and then make cap room for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I think it was the summer of 2019. So I think it, he just didn't become as much of a developmental priority in a lot of places. He got traded to Detroit. He had a lot of injuries along the way. Um, he was in the G League briefly. Obviously, the pandemic you know, hit, stalled a lot of you know developmental projects in the NBA and then played in Portland and uh, it was so bad in Portland last year, just the sense that they had so many guys hurt and just, yeah. um, I think he ended up tearing his elbow ligament in his elbow in February and they had to just wave him. They just didn't have the, the, the bodies to keep somebody on the roster that probably wasn't going to play for the rest of the season. So I think a lot of it's just been kind of like a gradual buildup of just bad luck, bad environments, bad situations. And I think to Dennis's credit, he is taken on a new role right now than what he's done in Dallas. And that's not the easiest thing to do. You come into the league, you're expected to be this thing. Everybody knows you as this thing. This is big time scorer, this dunker, this flashy explosive athlete. He was on the all rookie team. And then to kind of have that, you know, maybe ripped away from you by the time you're halfway through your second season and to pivot um, is not easy at all. And there's a lot of stories of where, someone in Dennis position just kind of fades out of the league. They don't adapt and they just, you know, it's, it's three or four years in the league and they're off to do something else or off to play somewhere else. So to what he's been able to do to go from what he was in Dallas to what he is now is this really, really feisty, 
you know, on ball defender, creating deflections, creating steals. And he's still got that explosiveness too. And he's getting to the rim. He's got a nice little mid range game. His three point shooting has been better. Um, it's been really, really cool to see how he's adapted given everything that he's had to deal with the past few years. No. And, and talking with him at the cornucopia event, I mean, he really acknowledged how he needed to change his play if he was going to make it in the NBA and that he needed to completely change everything, focus so much more on the defensive end. And then he said, when LaMelo does get healthy, I'm just going to focus that much more on the defensive end that I can, instead of maybe 80%, which is still a fantastic percentage from Dennis, because that is proven to be extremely effective. When LaMelo hits the court again, it's going to be crazy. I just want to see those guys on the court at the same time. You mentioned a new role. It's funny because I, you know, Kelly Oubre, I was frustrated with Kelly Oubre, certainly in the second half of last season, for shooting as many threes as he did. And this year, the percentage is down from Kelly from three. But Sam, I, I really like the way that Kelly has performed recently. The efficiency still isn't sky high, but he's taking a lot more shots at the rim. He seems to have really very much so like embodied the mantra of playing inside out that Steve Clifford has preached for a lot of this team. And I think he stuck to it. So he says it. At I think he says it at like halftime, one of the interviews of an early game this season. Yeah, I'm playing inside out. I'm looking for my shot more. You know, I'm not just going to take every open three or even every three where I'm right there and could shoot it. I'm actually driving and attacking. And he's always been pretty good when he goes to the rim. He's doing that a lot more. I feel like he's kind of changed his role quite a bit. Do you think that Steve Clifford has had a big impact on what Kelly's been able to do this year? Yeah, and they've needed him to change his role too, just with so many guys out. And I yeah. think that's a testament to, you know, I don't think there's a player in the last, if you go back to the start of last season on the team that's had to adapt to different roles, different positions. I mean, Kelly's been, anytime the starting two or Gordon was out or Tara was out, it's, he's started at the two, he started at the three, he's come off the bench. He's now he's, you know, initiating the offense right now. And that's a testament to Kelly. I know you're being asked to do that, but to be able to do that, be willing to do that. And it's not just what he's doing now. Some of the stuff he did last year was, you know, probably a little bit different than what he did at Gold. I mean, he was a starter in Golden State. He was a starter in Phoenix for a little bit. And then to kind of primarily be a bench guy last year, that was a little bit of an adjustment. So I think Kelly deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. And I've really enjoyed watching him offensively this year. He's not, and this, I don't think it's, I think it's more, he's just asked to do different things than he was last year. I think it's a combination of his role is just needed to be enhanced this year. His usage is higher. Um, he's got really good, ability driving ability getting to the rim he's got a nice little i love his little kind of floater right in front of the basket i mean he's got you know just the, i don't know if it always looks better when a left-hander shoots it but it for whatever reason it just feels like when a lefty mm -hmm. shoots it and it goes in it just looks cleaner and crisper <laughs> i don't know if you guys feel the same way but um feels like know, there's less moving parts it feels like it's yeah. a lot more robotic and it feels more automatic i've always thought that too yeah, yeah. He's got, I mean, just some of the shots he takes, it just, it seems like he's just playing, a, he's just kind of sharpening up a little bit. He's got elbow mid-range stuff, stuff at the rim, uh, you know, obviously still very explosive. He can put pressure on the rim. Uh, I know the three-point efficiency isn't necessarily there right now, but I don't think he's taking any bad shots. I mean, I think the three-point shooting is kind of down throughout the team this year for whatever yeah. reason. I think it's, you know, spacing issue, this or that. Um you know, obviously not having guys hurts, but he's been really, really good. I think rebounding, he's been really good. And, and defensively too, I think is something that's kind of gets overlooked. He's top 10 in the NBA in steals right now. I think he led 
I think he led the league in deflections in November, and he had something like mm-hmm. 17 or 18 more than the last or the next highest guy in just total deflections, too. Um, and a big thing, too, is he's been playing every single game. I mean, I don't think he's, you know, knock on wood, this continues. But Oh, boy. Oh, boy, uh, Sam. What have you done? What have you done? <laughs> Take it back. Don't say it. Well, he's, in a sense, he's been reliable. I mean, yeah. he doesn't have many of these games where he goes in and it's, you know, two points, three points, four points on one of 11 shooting. I mean, he's going right. in every single game and giving you 12, 13, 14, excess of 15, 16 points, stuff like that. He's getting four or five rebounds. He's assisting. He's getting steals. He's pushing the pace in transition. So uh, he's been really, really good this year. And I think it's kind of been under the radar because there's been a lot of focus on who's not here. And then you look at all the young guys that are playing all these extended minutes. And then Kelly's kind of right in that middle spot. He's a veteran that maybe isn't necessarily the same developmental stage as James Booknight and Kai Jones and those sort of guys, but has been quietly. I mean, he's having career. He's having the most points he's ever averaged in his career, most steals too. So been really, really valuable for the Hornets thus far. Yeah, I mean, efficient or not efficient, somebody has to put the ball in the cup. And that and that's what I've said. Like, without Kelly this season doing what he's doing, this thing would look way more apocalyptic, uh, you know, than than the record would indicate. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you, you do mention the shooting struggles, and I think it does have a lot to do with guys being out, but, but not necessarily what those players could contribute, but more how it's forced certain players into different roles, like Kelly Oubre, like Terry Rozier playing more point guard, um, and, and, and other players as well. How... I mean, do you get a sense that there is a general like desire for all of these players to go back to the role that they thought they were going to play? PJ wanted to, you know, focus more on the defensive end of the floor. He's been he's been forced, I think, into more of a expanded offensive role as well. Is there a sense that they want to get back to those roles that they wanted to have at the beginning of the season, or will it be a challenge to to move those players into more traditional roles once some of these guys return? It's a really good question. I think it's one of those cross that bridge when you get there kind of thing. And it's, as they say, and like the coach, it's a good problem to have when you have all your guys and how to make them fit. So yeah. uh, it will be interesting. And hopefully that it's coming sooner than later that you actually have all these guys back and you can, you know, I don't think, I mean, they haven't really had, I mean, I would say they haven't had, I think what you thought the rotation was going to be at the start of the year. It's literally not played a single second this year because Lamella didn't play the opener and then, Cody Martin got hurt, I think, one minute into the opener, and it's been, you know, kind of in and out of a revolving door ever since. So that's a really good question. I think you got to just wait and see. Hopefully it's a yeah. good problem to have on the horizon, but I think there's ways to kind of blend the two together. I think obviously the the offense will run through LaMelo, run through Terry, run through Gordon. I mean, you could even see some more of Kelly now. Um, yeah. You know, Dennis can do a little bit more, like focusing on more of the defensive stuff right now instead of initiating the offense, which he's been doing. Not that he can't do that, but um, and Teo as, as well has done a good job. I think James Booknight has filled in too to kind of run the offense a little bit at times. Bryce, I mean, it's been kind of an all hands on deck situation, but uh, I think it's it gives you really good flexibility down the line that hey, I've sh- these guys have shown they can take on these roles. So if we need them to do that, and I think the other thing too, I think is kind of getting lost right now. I think Steve Clifford brought this up after the Timberwolves, Timberwolves game or the 76ers game last week is, I mean, Terry is in, in charge of, you know, it's kind of been tasked with guarding the lead guard on the other side right now. I think it sometimes gets overlooked how physically taxing that can be to not only be running the offense on one side, but also be being the primary defender on the other side when you don't have LaMelo or Dennis or Cody Martin for that matter, um, or Kelly's not on the court to kind of 
be having to go all out on both ends can be really, really uh, taxing, especially with where the schedule was and how grueling it was to start the year. So hopefully, to kind of circle back, hopefully that's a good problem to have down the line that you have all your guys at your expense and you've, they've shown they can do these different roles in different capacities and things like that. Yeah, and, and I, I do think there is that happy medium where P.J. Washington can give you a little bit of what he's tried to expand on, but you don't have to depend on him to do it, right? It's the dependency right. you don't want with some of these players. With Kelly Oubre, yeah, now's the time to slash, and I bet that efficiency does go up because you don't have to have the 17 field goal attempts per game. Some of that's going to go to LaMelo. Some of that's going to go to a more healthy Terry, and then I expect that efficiency to go up. That's It all comes down to just, please, can we get some health? like maybe half of it, that would be fantastic for the Charlotte Hornets team. But in the meantime, people have had to rise to the occasion and maybe they've had to pearly rise to the occasion coming up next oh, on the yeah. Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets. Just yet. <laughs> yeah, a little, I was so, out, I'm so excited. I'm sorry. I got too excited. Okay. And then I okay. forgot to hit the button. No, it's fine. Let's keep it rolling. We debut the new segment with Sam Pearly of Hornets.com pearly risers. It's coming up next in the Lockdown Hornets podcast is locked on hornets but i have seen him go all the way up to number 10 that was is there a warning do we need to get out of here okay here's the thing my i don't know if you heard but my watch went off and i was trying to silence it and then i accidentally hit ping the phone and then the phone pinged and and now here we are (laughs) i'm doing my best man it seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug texted me saying, hey, Walker, can you think of anything that might be fun to do with Sam Pearlie? And then he texted me two minutes later and said, I've got it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> yeah. Pearly Riser. Eureka! <laughs> it, was, it was too, I didn't have time. I don't even know if I saw the text before I saw immediately after. He said, maybe we do Pearly Risers and talk about some of the stock that you want to buy in on right now with these younger players. So, Doug, I give you the floor. How does this Pearly Riser game work? Uh, it's very simple. We're just going to toss it over to an expert uh, writer for Hornets.com, Sam Purley, to tell us whose stock is rising in Hornets land for the month of November. This is huge, folks. I mean, I just, I just can't, I can't stress this enough. Sam is an expert. He knows what he's talking about. He's going to tell you who to buy. I mean, I, I, I expect this uh, segment to recur. I expect uh, the DFS. And, you know, fantasy world to really pay attention to this segment to find out who they need to lock in on in Hornets land, whose stock is rising. So without further ado, let's go to Pearly Risers. (laughs) Sam, the floor is yours. I don't know why some of these bumps have made me laugh, but they they have. Here I am. Well, it needed it needed the epic music. We needed the epic yeah. music to go with how epic this is about to be. So, Sam, okay. who st- whose stock is rising in Hornets Land right now? Before I get to it, I mean the name. I when you sent it over to me yesterday, I read it to some of my coworkers in the office, and they thought it was great. And I'm jealous that I didn't think of it first. Yes. So kudos to you. I don't know if I can follow up after the music. You've really set the stage now. I've got to really kind of deliver here. You want to hear it again? Uh, you want to hear it again? Yeah, it yeah. No, I do. I do. That's, uh, that's self-composure. That's uh, credit. 
like something out of Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or something. So yeah, um, you're, yeah, that's exactly what it is. All right. So now while we have the momentum, so the pearly risers, um, a couple of these we kind of touched on already in, in the past segments. I think Dennis is obvious, obviously one right now, um, just with everything that's been going on and just the trajectory he's been on, hopefully can kind of just stay consistently on the floor. Uh, I also mentioned Kelly as well and we talked obviously talked a lot about him in the last segment um just a couple numbers on kelly that i thought were really kind of interesting so espn has a statistic called real plus minus which is i'm going to read the technical term of it it's a little confusing it's players estimated on court impact on team performance measured in net point differential per 100 offensive and defensive possessions rpm takes into account teammates opponents and additional factors um so it's kind of a stat that they created themselves but they rank every single player in the league one through 450 500 right now kelly Oubre is 11th in the nba in real plus minus with plus plus 5.23 points per 100 offensive and defensive possession so that factors in who he's playing with who he's playing against you know if he's going against really good offenses things like that so I, i think that's kind of the gist of how they come up with it but basically he's had the 11th most positive impact of any player in the league right now and defensively he's third He's 3.66 if you take just the defensive side i forget who was ahead of him but uh it really shows you know if you break it down to an analytical standpoint how valuable he's been this year and i think that's it's a testament to him because I think he wanted, he said in media day, you know, I want to kind of get back to the defensive pass that I was in Washington and in Phoenix. And, um, and he's done that and the Hornets have needed it. So uh, Kelly Oubre is one of my pearly risers for the next month or for November too. led the team in scoring last month as well. All right. So it's funny because I didn't, I didn't know if we were going with younger players. I tried to ask about Kelly in the second segment to anticipate who might be in the third, but you can't do that with pearly risers. You can't do that with Sam. And so Kelly makes his debut with the real plus minus stats. Something we haven't talked about here. So RPM, very good. Vroom, vroom. To bring. Well, I got a yeah, younger player. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, who's the next, who's the next one you got, Sam? Who's another pearly riser. So this is a, younger player kai jones uh i think i think uh this is i think last year he maybe played one game where the outcome wasn't already decided whether the hornets were up by a lot or behind by a lot that he actually played i guess minutes in a game where the outcome wasn't decided and i think there was such mystery kind of around him heading into the season exactly what you know you know he's got a lot of talent you know he's got a lot of athleticism but what exactly is he and I think I forget what game he came in. It's probably been three or four games in the rotation right now, but you're starting to kind of see what the Hornets front office thought he could be when they traded back into the draft last summer to get him. Um, had the 12 rebound game the other day against Minnesota. He's had nine points in each of his last two games. So fun to watch. I think they've they've kind of got him in right now at at, a, at the four, kind of the backup four behind PJ. I think long term he could. Maybe even see as he, as he develops more, he could be a small ball five, or he could even you know play a three in a big lineup. Lots of energy, playing a lot more controlled, um, puts pressure on the rim. He's guaranteed for one kind of crazy putback dunk or slam dunk every game right now. Um, just crazy, crazy rare combination of athleticism and size. Uh, and something I've really liked too, and I think this is sort of gets overlooked a little bit is if you watch him during the games and even this was happening when he wasn't playing every basket every play he is clapping cheering supporting you know 
sporting teammates all the time. And I think, you know, when you have a season like the way the Hornets one is going right now, and it's been kind of a tough one to start, to have that positive energy and to have that um, enthusiasm and stuff, I think really makes a difference. I think it's it's not just, you know, you know, I think it's not something that should be overlooked. It's, so I really like what I've seen from Kai. Great, doing great pressure on the rim, looks playing more controlled, um, and playing his own game. I think sometimes, you know, younger players, they come to the league and they try and do a little bit too much off the start. Just this is your role. Just play to the best of your ability. So I'm really excited to see what Kai Jones, I think Hornets fans are too. You're starting to kind of see why this guy was so, had all this potential coming out of the draft last year. Absolutely. An early Kaiser, you might say. There Just you go. Could could be. So, <laughs> all right. Who's the you next one? Who's another? <laughs> you could say that. Who's another pearly riser? Do you have three or did you just have the two? I had three. The last one I, I, I took, and this is another guy kind of maybe in that has been on the team for a little bit and is maybe not necessarily lumped into that younger guys group in terms of playing has been Jalen McDaniels, I think is. Oh, yeah. He, he started off really well last year. Um, kind of taking, I think he was in the rotation for the first time last season. He had that really bad ankle injury, missed six weeks by the time he came back. I think it was mid-March, had a couple good weeks, but uh, the season was over. Just had a career high, 24 points in Boston. Uh, he's averaging career highs across the board and everything right now. Uh, I really liked his in-traffic rebounding. It's something that he, he's really good at kind of bringing down rebounds, contested rebounds. His ball handling is a little bit better. He's not getting pushed off his spots as much on drives, and he is finishing. I think last year he would, he would, you know, when he is initiating offense or driving to the basket, he got bumped off a lot, and it kind of affected his shots or turnovers or things like that. You're not seeing that much as more. You're not seeing that as much anymore from Jalen. Um, you know, starting right now at the three with Gordon out, it's a big jump from where he was, and you know. I don't necessarily think he's going to be scoring 25 points a game like he did the other night, but if he can kind of consistently get up in that 12, 13, 14 range, hit a few threes, space the floor, do a little bit of everything, uh, I think the Hornets will be in good shape kind of with where he is. I mean, he's I, I really like his potential as this 3 and, um, three and D defender. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can do with Jalen McDaniels, and I just, I've liked yeah. in terms of where he stands on the pearly riser. I just like the way he plays. I think yeah. that's, I just, I like watching him play. I think he, he, like Kai, he's not trying to do too much right now. He's just kind of uh, playing to his strengths and, and doing the role he's asked to do. So we're finishing off per the first ever edition of Pearly Risers with Jalen McDaniels. Love it. Jalen McDaniels. We, you know, we talked about him last episode and we said that, you know, he is kind of a Swiss army knife on defense, right? Versatile. You can play him on a lot of different types of players. You can play him at a lot of different types of positions. But, like, we don't love the Swiss Army knife uh, cliche because I can't remember the last time I had a Swiss Army knife. Sam, can you remember the last time you owned or were given a Swiss Army knife? I can't. I think I think as an adult, I've had a Swiss Army knife in the glove compartment of my car since I was probably, like, 16, <laughs> and it's never right, been that's used. That's where it lives. Like... It lives there, and it never leaves. It never. It's not utilized. As, as useful as it is, it's barely used. It's like one of those things I think my dad gave me for Christmas in like a stocking, probably when I was 17 or 18. It's like, hold on to this. You're going to need it someday. And it's like if I'm ever in the car and I need like the tiny little like toothpick or the tiny little tweezers or the little bottle opener or something or the, like the small knife that I'm not sure how effective that's going to be. Like I'm <laughs> stranded on the side of the road. But I think every that is where I think like 95% of all the Swiss Army knives in the world are in someone's glove compartment right now. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I've yeah. used one in a long time. And if I... 
I might, uh, uh, before I go, I'm, I'll probably check to make sure it's still there when I go out to my car <laughs> later today, but I would venture to guess that that is where most of them live. Well, so maybe I mean, we need to you... come up with a new analogy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Jailing. We got we got to find something that is both useful <sighs> and often utilized. That's the thing. Versatile, but also yeah. you use it. You don't just throw it in your glove compartment and never use it again. Like we need something that is useful. We're on the hunt. If you're listening or watching the show right now, hit us up in the comments. We need a new cliche for the Swiss Army knife player that can do it all, but also doesn't rot on the bench is actually used. I have the term bench wrench, but that's really meant for a player that is not often used who comes off the bench and destroys a team all of a sudden, scores 20 points out of nowhere, but that's not Jalen. Well, and, and do we have to stay within the toolbox category? Because you say wrench there, we're going Swiss Army. Not, can we expand off of the tool category? Or do we need to do something that a handyman might have in, in his tool belt? No, I don't think it has to be a tool. It just, in fact, I think it would be better. The analogy would be more applicable if it were something that is not a tool. It is something that, like everybody, uses a lot for different kinds of things. Okay, I'm trying to think, but I can't think anything from the top of the dome. We're gonna get together again. We're gonna have our pearly risers, and we're also gonna have something that Jalen McDaniel's is that is not a Swiss Army knife. That's Sam Pearly, writer for Hornets.com. You can also find him on Twitter at Sam underscore Pearly. This was awesome, man. We really appreciate you hopping on with us again. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. And I'll uh next time I come, I'll I'll think of a different tool we can use. Something that's more commonly used, Swiss Army knife, but same theoretic effectiveness as a swiss army knife you get the idea you have it all down pat yes yep, that, that is your that's your homework whenever you come back on you can bring us whatever that example could be for one Jalen mcdaniels thanks for making us your first listen today for your second listen check out locked on sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app youtube and wherever you get your podcast have a great day we'll be back with you tomorrow